You're listening to the Soul Source Podcast. I'm your host, Raquel Amel. Soul Source exists to share stories that are shaping our world today. We go straight to the source of the information and give you the best insight on topics and show you what's being done about these issues, as well as how you can help make a difference. So buckle up, Soul Source Society, because we're about to get started. We know that uh, we might be tired, but we're not the one in the hospital bed. We are here to take care of those people, and that is what we all signed up to do if you're sick, and we're going to take care of you. Hello, I am your host, Raquel Lamel, and today we're talking about COVID-19. Wisconsin is one of the hottest of hot spots for COVID right now in the entire United States. We just opened a field hospital to house overflow patients at the Wisconsin State Park grounds in West Dallas as hospitals continue to struggle to make room for incoming COVID-19 patients. These poor doctors and nurses have been battling this disease for nearly a year. And although it has been difficult on everyone, These brave men and women have been on the front lines of this war since it started. They've given up time with their families. They've missed seeing moments with their children, all in an effort to keep their families safe while they continue to go toe-to-toe with COVID-19. Today, my guest is Dr. Michael Landrum, Bellin Hospital's infectious disease specialist. For those of you listening, Bellin Hospital is located in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and Dr. Landrum is seeing how these cases continue to trend upward each and every day. Dr. Landrum, welcome to Soul Source. Thank you for having me. I appreciate having you on here today. I know you are going to have a wealth of knowledge for us. Well, I want to get right out of the gate here. I want to ask you, I mean, we continue to see COVID-19 cases going up. What is behind that? Why is that happening here in Wisconsin and across the nation in some ways? Well, I don't think it's really rocket science. I think we know now how the disease is transmitted and it's by increased interaction between people. And so what we see here in Wisconsin and probably in other places too is that people are continuing to go to gatherings, whether they be uh, relatively small family gatherings or larger gatherings, they continue to go to weddings. Um, all those types of things are contributing to uh, to the increasing rates. We see people going out to eat still, uh, people going to bars and restaurants, you know, to bars to watch a football game, for example. Um, and all those things are, are precipitating the spread. Um, if there's an outbreak at a local uh, workplace, sometimes someone who works there will bring it home and then give it to their spouse or their parents that they live with. And so we see that quite a bit too. There are some people that come into the hospital that we see that have not had any known contact with anyone with COVID-19, but then you start questioning them a little bit more and you kind of get the sense of where they might've gotten it. Like, well, my you know adult child brought over groceries and dropped them off and stayed to visit for a while and they didn't have any symptoms, but that's really the only contact they're getting with others. And so when the rates get so high in the community, those kinds of even smaller interactions, you know, potentially have some kind of transmission risk. If the rates were lower, then things like that would be safer. I was going to ask you, I mean, is there any number, a group of people that, I mean, is safe? Because you just talked about like having a kid come over, like what's too big? What's too big of a group? Uh, Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know that, I mean, we're trying to tell people now because rates are so high here in Wisconsin that they shouldn't even have small family gatherings. They should really just be getting together with people that they live with at home. Um, And really that's it, particularly for the upcoming fall holidays if that, you know, if rates remain where they are, which is kind of a tough message. And I I don't know how well people are going to be compliant with that or able to do that. 
Um, if you're going to see others, the best way to do it is, uh, you know, in limited numbers. So one or two people coming over to visit, keeping their distance, keep a mask on or visit outside even. Let's talk about the hospitals right now, because that's your scene. That's where you spend a lot of time. How are you guys, as far as hospitals, are you filling up? How does that look? Well, we're definitely at a higher level than we were in, say, July or August. I mean, ever since uh, early September, our numbers of patients in the hospital have been going up and up, uh, not only for our hospital at Bellin, but the other hospitals here in Green Bay and in the region. Um, at Bellin, for example, we typically have, this is before COVID, we would have about 120 to 130 patients in the hospital on any given day. Um, and now the numbers are such that you throw on top of that, because we're still trying to do all the same care that we did before, but now you put 30 or 40 additional patients with COVID into the hospital um, to add that in. And, it, you know, that's what kind of puts the strain on resources and staff and space and all those kinds of things. So that's kind of where we are in other hospitals in the area are in a similar situation. So we're still able to provide care to someone who comes in with a heart attack or needs to be in the hospital for some other reason. We feel very confident we're still doing that. Um, but I mean, we've made plans that if we need to expand to the nursing home across the street to put patients there, how we would do that. I mean, we have those plans in place if needed. Wow. So, I mean, and talk to me a little bit more about that. Like what happens, what happens to patients? If people keep doing this, the hospitals fill up, what happens to their care? What happens to their hospital? Cause you can't just go to the doctor if the, there's no room at the inn, right? Right. So, I mean, that would be, you know, horrible. Obviously we don't want to get to that point, but if, you know, more and more COVID patients come in and we keep getting more and more, then eventually we would have to try to look at what things could we try to scale back so that we're able to take care of all the patients with COVID. Uh, like I said, we're not doing that right now. I want to make sure people know the message that if you're sick, uh, even if you don't have COVID, you need to go see the doctor, please call. We've seen problems when uh, during uh, March and April when we did kind of shut down some of those other things because we didn't know any better. And People didn't go see the doctor. They didn't come to the hospital and they delayed their care. And that was also bad. So it was kind of the flip side of how COVID had a negative impact, even on those without it. So, so we really want to try to avoid it. But yes, if we turned into New York City and we had people stacked up, you know, in the hallways on gurneys, then obviously that would impact how we could care for other people. But as of right now, we're entering into the last week of October, first part of November here. As of this date of this podcast, people can still make it into the hospital. They can still have elective surgeries. All that stuff yeah. is still going on. Yes, absolutely. We're, we're trying really hard. We brought in additional staff to try to augment what we can do so that we have enough people to keep that kind of keep those other services going. Well, as a doctor and an infectious disease specialist, you know, if we continue this trend, we got the holidays coming up. By the time we get to Christmas, if what you're seeing now continues to happen, what, is, what do things look like? Well, we're concerned about that. I mean, we've tried looking at models to see what we can forecast, what, uh, you know, what it's going to look like come Thanksgiving or come Christmas time. Um, and it's all taken with a grain of salt because we don't really know. I mean, um, in some places, uh, particularly in the Southern Hemisphere, where they were implementing all the social distancing and people were 
trying to not spread COVID, they also wound up not spreading influenza, which was an added bonus. Um, and so we're a little bit hopeful that that might happen here. But as, as to your question, what could happen in the, and I mean, the numbers could get worse. The more people continue to interact, just as we're seeing in the community, the number of rates, you know, the number of cases day by day in Wisconsin the last few weeks keeps going up. Um, and so we don't want that to happen because the more cases in the community, that ultimately translates into more people that will probably need to be in the hospital. We'll be right back after this short break. Did you know isolation was a big problem even before this pandemic struck? People from all walks of life were feeling isolated prior to being told to quarantine away from each other. The Women's Fund of the Oshkosh Area Community Foundation is working to educate people about isolation and how it can be just as dangerous as smoking in some cases. To learn more, visit women.oshkoshareacf.org. Welcome back. What do you think is the, the biggest misconception that people have right now in regards to COVID? That's a tough question. Um because I think there's probably more than one. I would say probably two things, um, if, if you give me that liberty. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the, the two things I would say, number one, uh, is that COVID is worth preventing. And number two, the misconception that, uh, that it can't be prevented. In other words, so, so my message to folks is that, um, Yes, it's worth taking these measures and, and doing those things because it's worth preventing. And two, it can be prevented. The masks are effective and social distancing measures are effective. Both of those things get tossed around and debated. You know, you start talking about things like herd immunity and maybe that's the better approach, um, which I disagree with that. But, um, you know, it is true. So to get back to my first point, is it worth preventing? And the answer to that is absolutely. Um, it is true that most people who get this will do just fine. They will have a mild illness or even no symptoms. You hear about that all the time with celebrities or baseball players testing positive, no symptoms, um, you know, other uh, public figures testing positive. So most people will do fine. Mm -hmm. um, but there are a portion of those, and we know it's about 6% here uh, in our area, that will need to be in the hospital. And we've had people anywhere from their 20s to their 80s in the hospital um, with us. So it, it can be any age. It is more common if you're elderly, but it can be any age. And the illnesses, you know, they can be really severe, even if, uh, even if you survive. There are unfortunately those who do pass away from it. Um, but the illness in the hospital can linger on for days or weeks. Uh, can be very complicated and, you know, lots of issues come up like kidney failure and you're on a ventilator or a respirator for weeks. They become so weak that they can't even move their arms and legs or lift their head off the pillow. Um, they can't swallow. Um, just, you know, in really severe cases, COVID, I mean, it, I don't want to paint an overly bleak picture, but it can, it's, can be just devastating, even for some of those people who survive. And so I've seen this disease up front and I want, you know, and, and close, and I want no part of it. I mean, and I consider myself a pretty healthy middle-aged male. Um, mm -hmm. 
and I don't even want to mess with it. Uh, so it is definitely worth preventing. And then the second thing then is the misconception about the prevention efforts. Can it be prevented? And the answer to that is yes. We know that masking does work. There's, you know, you see online all this back and forth, you know, masks don't even work. Masks uh, make people sick or they're more harmful than good. And that's, none of that's true. Masks are very effective. Lots of research has shown how they cut down the droplets so they reduce spread. They protect both the person wearing the mask and the person who is, you know, in the area. So you get your own, you benefit by wearing a mask as do others around you. Um, if you get exposed to COVID and you have a mask, it's likely that your illness will actually be less severe even if you get it. Wow. So, so there are benefits to definitely wearing a mask. And then it just kind of goes without saying hand washing and social distancing. Um, research has shown and several countries have shown when they've actually been able to implement those measures that those preventive efforts do work. And until we get a vaccine, that's, that's the best we can do. That's interesting. Cause I feel like when this first started, we were hearing if you wore a mask, you were protecting others. It didn't necessarily protect you. So you're saying that mask is actually protecting you too and protecting other people. That's interesting. Yeah, that's correct. Wow. I'm a big mask proponent. I try to encourage people to wear them all the time. Yeah. Well, and and here's the other thing. I've seen a lot of articles circulating that claim maybe the death toll of COVID is not as high as it's being reported. Do you have any insight on that? What are your thoughts? Yeah. You know, um, data like that, when they're collected on a large scale, can always be a little bit messy. And so is it possible that there may be someone who came into the hospital that had uh, COVID, a very mild case, but they had some other illness on top of that that was worse at that time that resulted in them passing away. Sure, that is absolutely possible. But, you know, um, the vast, vast majority of the people that are uh, reported as dying from COVID died from COVID. I mean, the patients that I see in the hospital, they may have diabetes or other chronic health conditions, but they were fine at home, completely healthy. Their diabetes was controlled or their high blood pressure was controlled. And then they got COVID and then they got sick and wound up in the hospital and passed away. Um, And so they didn't die from their comorbidities. They died from COVID. And so, um, yeah, most of the data that's out there, uh, it, it, you know, I think it reflects the true, um, the true burden of disease and what's going on. It's also been documented that there are, uh, uh, there have been excess deaths um, during the pandemic that uh, were not categorized. So if you look at historical data, the number of deaths year to year in the United States, it's actually pretty stable. And so this year, you can compare and say, well, look at all these excess deaths. And so the number is equal to greater than the number of people that have died from COVID. So you have the excess deaths, some of which are from COVID, but then you have even more on top of that. Um, And then the question is, well, what caused all those additional excess deaths? Is it people delaying care? Could be. Mm -hmm. Is it people that had COVID that didn't know that they had the diagnosis? Um, And so that's also possible. And we may never know the answer to that, but it's another unfortunate part of the pandemic. It's hard. It's so hard to, to, calculate the number because there is such a high number. And as we're heading into the holidays, we talked about it a little bit, but we got to get that in this podcast as well, because it is very prevalent now as we're heading into Thanksgiving and Christmas. And 
What advice do you have for listeners? What do you, what do people need to know? Thanksgiving is about a month away. Christmas is about two months away. That's quite a bit of time. And I would tell people that if, if we all chipped in and we all did what we were supposed to do now, and we start now, everyone's wearing a mask, more people are masking, and true social distancing and limiting our gatherings and unnecessary social interactions, our community rates would be lower by the time Christmas gets here, maybe even by the time Thanksgiving gets here, although that's a little questionable because we're four weeks away from that. But we could impact the rates of this significantly so that, um, you know, by the time Christmas gets here, it would be safer to see people more. So um, I would encourage folks to do what they can now. If the rates are high like they are now, by the time, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas is here, then unfortunately I would be telling folks, you know, just stay with people that you live with and maybe do some type of video chat or, you know, some type of virtual connection, which I know is disappointing and, and hard to do, but, you know, the vaccine is getting closer. And if we, again, if we all do our little part, things will be better soon. We just need to remember that we can do something to get our way out of this. I do want to talk to you too, because, you know, one of the parts of the holidays is the shopping, right? People go out, they go shopping, they get stuff. And I've heard a lot of people talking about wanting to support the local guys, the small businesses. A lot of them are not, you can't get things online, you know, and to support your small businesses, you have to go to the store. Any advice when it comes to, you know, holiday shoppers and going out? You want to be careful here and balance it. I don't think you have to completely avoid and isolate yourself at home. That's another misperception. You know, you don't have to socially isolate yourself completely. Um, You can, I think, get out and try to, you know, go shopping a little bit and be safe about it, Um, i.e. wear a mask. Um, If the store is crowded, just pass by and come back some other time if you can. Um, Make sure that you're washing your hands frequently, um, you know, and and try to limit your interactions with others. In other words, don't go with a group of folks and go shopping. Um, maybe go shopping on your own or, you know, with somebody that, that you live with, you know, take your daughter, or your mom, your dad, somebody like that. Uh, so you're not exposing additional people. Um, and so I think that's the safest way you can try to get out and do some uh, holiday shopping. I want to take a moment too to talk about you guys at the hospital, right? Because this has been a long, hard year. How are you guys holding up at the hospital? You know, I think uh, one of my colleagues the other day did a uh, did another interview, and and he he used the phrase, you know, healthcare workers are troopers, and I I think he's right about that. Um, you know, I've never been prouder of the folks that I work with here at the hospital and all the hard work that they have done over the last several months and continue to do every day. Um, does it get tiring and fatiguing? Yes. Uh, do we sometimes, uh, you know, get worn out and need to vent some frustrations or just kind of, you know, let it out a little bit? Sure. Um, but at the same time, we know that uh, we might be tired but we're not the one in the hospital bed. We're here to take care of those people. And that is what we all signed up to do. And so we might be tired. And so we're trying to find ways to get people time away so they can kind of regroup and refresh, whether that's bringing in some more staff maybe. Um, But, you know, uh, I, I think folks at the hospital are holding up okay. 
Um, like, like, like my colleague said, you know, they're troopers and they're just going to, if you're sick and we're going to take care of you. I do want you to help put into perspective for people, you know, what you guys are, are dealing with. And I, I'm speaking because I, I know this personally from my boss. Her husband works in a hospital. And I know that she was talking about there was a number of months where he, you know, couldn't they couldn't even hug their son, you know, and she couldn't hug him. And they were he was sleeping in a separate room. So talk with me a little bit about the toll it takes on you guys, you know, when you're not at work and on a families and, and what it is that you doctors are, you know, what you're doing for people right now. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the toll on the family is that, you know, those other things that uh, non-healthcare workers are dealing with, whether it's the stress of isolation or virtual schools or, um, you know, the uncertainty of it all uh, and just all the other kind of hassles. I mean, that, that stuff still is there when, when we get home. It, it can be uh, tough to kind of balance it all. I know some folks here at the hospital, you know, uh, particularly back in the spring. I mean, they're working every single day, no days off. Um, and so when they get tired, they just want to, you know, go home and unplug. And then so they're not so much available to their family members who may be also stressed and tired and uh, need some encouragement. And so that can be a challenge. There have been some folks here that have, you know, checked into hotels to so so that they don't expose other folks at home or they've looked into other alternative living arrangements, like you mentioned, um, which, you know, just leads to more isolation and at a time when we all need support. And so that, that can be tough. You guys are said troopers and really that's, that is the word you guys really are. I can't commend you or thank the medical personnel enough for what you guys are doing right now. And you know, one last question on this note, and then we'll move on. But I have to ask, you know, is it, is it frustrating for you to see these cases continue to rise when, you know, people are fighting the mask wearing and you guys are doing what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, it is frustrating. It's disheartening. Uh, you wish there was something that or some avenue, some outlet, some way you could, you know, somehow package the message in a different way so that the you know, folks who, for whatever reason, ha either have heard it and decided to go against it, or maybe they haven't heard it, um, that would somehow catch their attention, uh, because it does get frustrating, and it gets, it does take a toll when you're the, the nurse or the physician or whoever, and you're at the bedside of a patient, and that patient is struggling to breathe, and maybe they don't make it, um, and then you feel this sense of, it's really sad because this was preventable potentially. Um, and to see that happen and play out over and over again. Um, yeah, it's, it definitely gets frustrating and that kind of can lead to some, lead to some emotions. So for the people that are listening I and mean, we've covered kind of a lot of ground here, if there's one thing that the listeners walk away with from this interview today, what do you want them to know? Um, I would want them to know, like we said earlier, that, uh, you know, if we all do our part, if we, you know, follow the recommendations for wearing a mask and trying to um, avoid unnecessary social interactions and we're washing our hands and doing those simple, basic preventive measures, that the numbers will get better. Um, and as the numbers get better, we're able to contain it better because our contact tracing and, and other efforts will also be more effective. 
and that will get us uh, in better shape to when we have the vaccine available and hopefully get life a little bit more normal. May not be entirely normal, but at least things will certainly get better. Absolutely. Dr. Landrum, thank you. Honestly, thank you for being here today and sharing this insight with me and with the listeners. This is, this is incredible. Thank you. And thank you for all that you're doing. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. And if you want to hear more Soul Source, subscribe to the show. We're available wherever you listen to podcasts. If there's something you want us to talk about on the show, we can do that too. We have a Facebook group called the Soul Source Society. It's where we interact with listeners, share special content only seen in that group, talk about shows, get ideas for future podcasts, and overall, just have a lot of fun. That's Soul Source Society on Facebook. We hope to see you there. Soul Source is brought to you by Red Shoes Inc., a leading agency specializing in crisis and strategic communications, media relations, social media, and so much more. To learn more about Soul Source and Red Shoes, visit us at redshoesinc.com. <laughs>